This is episode 257, where coach Sarah Manderscheid interviews me about my life, my running, and strength running. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is a little different. My friend and fellow coach, Sarah Manderscheid, is joining us to interview me. She recently hosted a running camp that I spoke at, and several campers told me that they love the podcast, but they wanted to get to know me better personally. I've always made this podcast about you, our listener, and what will help you the most with your running. Today, you get to learn more about me how I think about running and life, what's going on for me personally right now, and more. If you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. I want to help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on injury prevention for runners, strength workouts specific to the demands of running, smarter training tips to keep you running fast, and more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve with our award-winning blog, our free email courses on strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and improving your mindset. Plus, all of Strength Running's training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. Learn more about those at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. We're supported by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes AG1, one of the few supplements that I think are actually worth your time. I love this stuff. It's the most popular greens mix on the market with 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens. To make taking control of your health even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Jason, and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly drop to make this part of your nutrition plan. I try to have one serving every day of AG1 to help me cover my nutrition bases and for a nice boost of midday energy. You can see all those details at athleticgreens.com slash Jason. We're also supported by my favorite electrolyte company, Element. This summer, prevent the symptoms of electrolyte imbalances like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness with Element. If you've eliminated most processed foods from your diet, you're likely eliminating the largest source of sodium in your diet, according to the FDA. You can get a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. They'll send you a sample pack with one packet of each flavor so you can try them all out before committing. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to claim your free gift. And a big thanks to Andy for his review of the podcast in Apple Music. He wrote, excellent for running coaches. As a UK-based fell, trail, and ultra-running coach, I push strength and conditioning into my training plans as I'm a strong believer in reducing the risk of injury and helping my athletes run more efficiently. 
As a strength and conditioning coach, the content is relevant and up-to-date and reinforces my own practice, a great podcast. Thanks, Andy. I'm glad that we recognize how important strength training is, even for ultra runners. All right, let's get into it. Coach Sarah Manderscheid is a running coach and Boston qualifying marathoner with more than 15 years of competitive experience. She hosts the Elevate Your Running podcast and the Elevate Your Running camps held in Boulder, Colorado. You can learn more about her, the podcast, and all of her work at elevateyourrunning.com. In this episode, Sarah has graciously agreed to interview me about my history with running, my current training, my personal life, future goals, and who I am behind the microphone. Please enjoy this fun, lighter episode, and as always, if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at support at strengthrunning.com. Without further delay, here's Sarah. Hi, Jason. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast today. Yeah, well, this is going to be fun. Uh, we had this idea together a couple of weeks ago at your running camp, and uh, the the campers had this great idea to do a get to know Jason episode and you were right there. So I figured, Hey, let's do it. Let's hit the record button and ask me all sorts of weird questions. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great day. We get to kind of deep dive into who you are outside of this podcast. We're still going to talk about some running things too, which is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So the first question, who is Jason Fitzgerald? Oh, that is a big question, right? Well, I think everyone knows (laughs) part of me, right? People know me as the host of the podcast, the strength running guy. I have my YouTube channel. They know that side of me. Um, And I'm a runner. You know, I've been someone who's who's been running since freshman year in high school. uh, And I am such a running nerd. I think that's probably the biggest aspect of my personality uh, that is kind of fit for this podcast is the fact that I just love talking about running. I love talking to runners. I love geeking out on different ways that runners can get fast. So from an athletic perspective, I am through and through a runner. I've been a runner since I was a kid. And I don't think I would ever, uh, I, I just don't see myself doing anything different. I've never found a sport, in other words, that has so touched my soul in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like uh, a sport that really lights me up. So who is Jason? Jason is first and foremost a runner. And I don't think it's a surprise that I figured out a profession where I get to do what I love. (laughs) Yeah. And that is one of the best gifts in life, being able to live your passion every day. Let's take running away from your life. Who is Jason? I think if there was no running, I would probably identify most as a dad. You know, I have three kids. My kids just turned nine and seven, and then I have a four and a half year old. So uh, I spend a lot of time with them. I actually just got back from a hike up in Boulder, right near you. You were mentioning before we hit the record button that we should have done this in person. That would have been amazing. But yeah, I was with my kids and I just, I love, uh, you know, kind of introducing them to the mountains and getting them hopefully that adventurous spirit, you know, there's, they're still a little young right now. So they're certainly having fun complaining about the heat and the elevation gain and all that, but hopefully we're building some resilience. There we go. I mean, it's definitely a hot one today. So kudos to you and taking your kids out for a hike midday. Um, maybe it'll tire them out a little bit. Um, no, that's great. Um, all right, well, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about 
at what stage of your life did you discover running? I think I discovered running at a very formative stage. It was right when I started my freshman year in high school, and I just wanted to do a fall sport. I wanted to get involved doing something. I actually almost tried out for the golf team at Lexington High School in Massachusetts, where I went to high school. And I'm so glad that I did not become a golfer. I don't think that would have really fit me because I, I like to I like to keep moving around. I like to be super active. And golf is such a leisure sport that that's just more like something you go and have fun with your friends doing. And it's sort of like this outdoor hobby that you like to have. I just like to move and I love speed. So uh, when I got involved with running, I, I didn't really identify as a runner at all. But, you know, I think like many runners, I got addicted to the progress. I got addicted to improvement. Uh, I was very fortunate that the coach of the cross country team when I was in high school was just a great guy and he really made running very accessible. But he also pushed you and, and he expected a lot of you. And, and I think I really... Uh, enjoyed that tough love aspect of his coaching philosophy. And then not to mention the guys on the team were absolutely hilarious. You know, we just had a great time running every day. And I was like, this is a great sport. You know, like we have our hard workouts and the races, of course, but all the other days you're just going out for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, and you're keeping it easy. And all we did was tell jokes and tell funny stories. And, and I think getting involved in the sport in that kind of a context was really helpful for me because I wasn't constantly thinking about the running. I was doing the running, thinking about how much fun I was having. And that was just a, a great way to get introduced to the sport in a way that made me fall in love with it. And here I am, you know, 24 years later, God, that's like a quarter of a century of me being a runner. <laughs> That certainly puts things into perspective. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I would say we can still find that joy in running now with our friends, with our community. Um, you do a lot of trail running with others. Like we can still find kind of that peace, joy, endorphins, um, even as adults, which is really fun. Um, do you still golf or do you golf now as an adult? I don't. I don't really golf unless you count the occasional mini golf session as golfing, which I do not. <laughs> then no, I don't really golf. I just really liked the driving range and mini golf. And I thought, man, let's just put those two together and maybe I'll like golfing. But I never really got into it. I think I've played a round of 18 holes once in my life. It was some August in New Jersey where I was hung over and we were playing 18 rounds of golf in the heat and the summer. It was, it was a quite a miserable day. And I think there's a reason why I've never been back to the golf course. Would you give it another shot? If you had a beautiful Colorado morning, you were able to go out there and just have fun with some buddies feeling good. Yeah. As long as we each have a six pack, I think I'd have a great time. Okay. <laughs> okay great. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Okay. Um, what is your all time favorite run route that could be in Denver, Boulder, Massachusetts, somewhere that you traveled? Oh, that is such a tough question. I, I, I have so many from just my decades of running that I, I would say probably my all time favorite place to run is probably Rock Creek Park in Washington, DC. Uh, you can get in there and run the widest variety of trails for 20 miles and barely repeat any of them. It is such a hidden gem in the city that I think is just beautiful. And 
you know, there's a, a beautiful river that runs through the middle of Rock Creek Park. Um, it's called Rock Creek, actually, uh, in case you didn't pick up on that. <laughs> and it's just gorgeous. I mean, there's it's incredibly hilly, but you can also stay in a very flat route if you wanted to. There's technical trails. There's very wide, flat horse paths. So I could get in there and go do a long run. I could do a hill workout. I could do a tempo run. I could do a recovery run. I could do almost anything in there and just just have this access to beautiful trail running. So I really do miss running in Rock Creek Park. I think that was when I was probably running at my best in you know, 2010, 2011, 2012. And, you know, that that's sort of the venue where I had a lot of great training. So I'll always think of it very fondly. Um, but with that said, you know, I have a lot of running routes in Lexington, Massachusetts, where I grew up that are just so, um, you know, they have so many memories to them. And I hold them in such high regard, because they remind me of those formative years of me getting addicted to running, going on fun runs with my friends, uh, and then, of course, a lot of runs here in Denver that are just stunningly beautiful. You know, I, I think I'll always have a soft spot for El Dorado Canyon and running, uh, you know, around that area. And that is just really beautiful. And I think anyone who uh, has watched a couple of my YouTube videos has probably seen some great B-roll from El Dorado Canyon. Uh, really, really beautiful. So as you can tell, I'm really drawn to running in beautiful places. I think it is you know, it just kind of lights you up and it puts you in a good mood. It makes the miles go by and it gives you a better workout. You know, you're just, you're just getting so much more out of it. Absolutely. I totally agree. One thing you are, Jason, is consistent because I asked you that same question about two years ago and you gave the exact same answer today as you did then. So. Ooh, is this a test? <laughs> it just turned into once. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I passed. You did great. You did great. You're very consistent. I love it. All right. So you talked about earlier, you know, running with your teammates in college, it brought you a lot of joy. Is there anything else when it comes to training and running that really just brings you joy? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I love being active. So I love hiking. You know, I just got back from a hike in Boulder. Uh, I love cycling. Uh, I go on a lot of road rides with, with my friends. You know, I've got a buddy here in, in Denver that uh, I ran with in, in, in college. So you know, he's gotten a little bit more into cycling over the years and he certainly dragged me a little bit in that direction, which is fun because, you know, we go and we do summits, uh, in golden Colorado. I love going up lookout mountain. We actually just did it on the 4th of July. And, uh, I think cycling and hiking and camping, uh, anything outdoorsy is definitely something that I'm going to have fun doing, but you know, I'm also someone who likes to have a good time. So if you don't want to be outdoors and you want to go to a bar and have a beer, that sounds like a great time too. So I'm always looking for a good time, whether that's being active or, you know, enjoying an adult beverage. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So with having so many hobbies and so many things that you love to do and being an entrepreneur, having a su successful business, how do you balance the work life and having kids? Uh, not well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I balance it very well. It, it is very challenging. And, you know, I am dealing with a whole new schedule. One thing that I don't think I've been super public about is that, you know, my wife and I have separated and we're about to finalize our divorce. So I'm dealing with a split custody situation right now where I have my kids half the time. And it's a little bit different in the summer because, 
you know, they're, they had a little bit of time where they were at some camps, but now they're not. So I'm splitting my time just doing things like this. Like today we went for a hike early and, and now I, here I am podcasting with you. So definitely there's a certain amount of balance that has to happen. Uh, and I'm very fortunate that my work is very flexible. So, you know, I could be working very early in the morning. I could be working later at night or on the weekend. But, you know, sometimes in the middle of a Tuesday, I'm doing something random with my kids. So it's all over the place in terms of balance. But hopefully at the end of the day, I I am striking some of some type of balance because I really do like staying busy. I love, um, you know, spending time with my kids, especially outside and introducing them to, you know, all the, the standard Colorado things that are so amazing here. Uh, and then doing everything I can with strength running to help as many runners as I can. Uh, that's pretty much what I think about all the time, you know, my, my kids and strength running and then my own running. And if I'm not doing one of those three, I'm probably sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) I can totally relate. And, you know, we've got to know each other really well over the last few months. And I would say you're doing an incredible job balancing all of it. And, um, big kudos to you because it's really tough to be able to have, you know, a successful business, you're training in life or you're training for something, or you're doing a lot of working out and a lot of running cycling, and you're still balancing having three kids and doing fun things with them and making memories with them. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, It doesn't look easy, but you make it work, which is amazing. Um, all right. So on to our next question. What is your favorite mindset hack when things feel tough? Oh boy. I I think it depends on what kind of difficulty I might be experiencing at the time. Uh, Do you mean like when things get tough when you're running, you know, and you're in the middle of a workout or a race when things inevitably get tough? Yeah, let's go there. Mm -hmm. I think in those situations, I, you know, it's a little bit of a cliche, but I always come back to my why. My why for running for the majority of my running career, things are a little bit different now that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to strike this balance, right? But for a long time, I didn't really have balance. I was a very single issue kind of guy. My single goal in life was to get faster. I didn't care if we were talking about the 800, the 10K, the mile, the 5K, steeplechase, whatever it was, I just wanted to keep improving. So I was always pretty intrinsically motivated to train pretty hard to, you know, add a lot of cross training to my running to try to run high mileage. I never really had to be pushed to do that because I really, really, really wanted to see what I was capable of doing. So I was someone that, you know, would come home from a camping trip with my friends and at eight o'clock at night on a Sunday after hiking and camping and, you know, not getting great sleep, you know, I'd go out at eight o'clock and go for a 15 mile run because I knew I had to get it in. And one of the reasons why I loved running and still do is because it is one of those sports where you get out of it, what you put into it. And I was always willing to put a lot into it because I was getting a lot out of it. It was really rewarding for me to see the improvement that I experienced, you know, early on in my running career. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I was all conference in high school in cross country. And then I was, oh, I'm the, you know, co-captain of the cross country team. And running did help me a little bit get into college. And so I was always having my love for running reinforced by 
you know, outside accomplishments, by kind of having it, um, you know, having things just progress forward and getting a little bit of recognition for it. But for me, it was always, you know, am I improving? Am I having fun doing it? And as long as I was feeling like I was training hard, getting the results on the course, I was like, this is great. I just love being, you know, quote unquote, one of the fast guys. And it was great because no matter where I was, I was always one of the slower fast guys, which was actually a very good thing because it, it always allowed me to have someone in front of me that I was always trying to run down and chase and try to get better than. So, uh, I actually think it was really great to, um, you know, be the, the fifth, sixth, seventh guy on the cross country team, because you know, your spot on the team is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit in limbo. You know, one of the, one of the eighth, ninth guys could have a breakthrough and kick you off the team basically. So I was always driven to work really hard to keep that spot. And, you know, looking back on things, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made was just to stick with running, to train hard, to treat it seriously. Um, not that I was a serious person all the time. Like I'm really not, I'm usually always joking around about something, but when it came to the training, I was always very willing to work hard. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. And I feel like anytime you can be consistent with something that you truly love, beautiful things will come out of that. And a lot of hard work, you've had some really great memories, some really great race results, um, really great friends from running came through all of that. So that's awesome. All right. So we're going to go into biggest training failures. Do you have a training failure, quote unquote, that you, um, that you have learned from over the years? Oh, we could probably do this episode entirely on all of my training mistakes over the years. I think one of the biggest ones, when I look back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When I look back, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was thinking I could get away with no strength training. And I didn't really do any strength training. And I was fine for a little while, but then all of a sudden it catches up to you. And then I was a very injury prone runner. I was someone who was always dealing with some type of niggle. And I realized that, look, if you want to keep doing this thing, if you want to keep pushing the envelope with your running, you really do need to do some strength training. And that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way, like, you know, 25 times before it finally sank in. Uh, I also think that I over-indexed on intensity for too long, where I was always just trying to run really hard workouts. I was always trying to push the pace even on my easy runs. And I realized that, look, that is a very surefire way to get yourself injured. So I did a lot of things that increased my injury risk. And I was always very frustrated being injured very so frequently. And looking back, I just wish I had the, the confidence to run easy, the wisdom to add strength, tra strength training to my running program. And I think it would have been a much better runner for it. You know, all those mistakes over the years, you know, and for each one of these mistakes, there's like 30 examples, you know, of every year where <laughs> I make a little decision and it snowballs into a niggle, which snowballs into an injury. And, you know, one of the reasons why I say on this podcast is knowledge is a competitive advantage because if you know more about yourself about the training process, about why you personally get hurt, why you might be more fatigued after some types of workouts than others, how you can more effectively recover, you're going to be a better runner. And, you know, I say that out of almost this 
painful sense of personal experience because I've made most of those mistakes myself. And if we can avoid those mistakes, runners are just going to be much more consistent. And I like saying that consistency is the only secret sauce to successful running that we really know about. You know, there's a lot of different ways to train. There really is no hidden secret magic workout that's going to get you to the next level. But if you want to be good, one of the few things that you need is consistency. So let's stay healthy. Let's avoid all my prior mistakes. I surely made most of them. And runners are just going to be much more consistent and much more, much faster because of that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? It's really hard to eat, to run easy. And sometimes it's really hard to get the strength training in. And sometimes we have to go through it ourselves to be able to figure out, oh, this didn't actually work. So now we're going to shift into what, you know, what we're doing for easy running and, and strength training and figuring out ourselves. So can you remind us, and maybe you've talked about this on other episodes, but when was the strength running blog born as well as podcast? So I actually bought the strengthrunning.com domain name in 2007. And then I sat on it for two years. I didn't do anything with it. And I did launch a website with no blog in 2009. And it didn't do anything for about a year. Kind of just sat there. Nobody, nobody like came to the website and I realized, oh, I do kind of need a blog. I need some sort of ongoing, consistent, regular, fresh content to make my website more active, to start drawing people over to the strength running site. So the blog was started in April of 2010. And so April, 2010 is when the strength running blog was started. And then I didn't start the podcast for a long time. I didn't start it until more than six years later, I think it was October of 2016 is when I published the first episode of the podcast. You know, and I was someone who who never really wanted to start a blog. I thought a blog was something that, you know, people who who never left their apartment who had 18 cats might have, you know, just typing about what they had for breakfast. I was like, this isn't for me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to call myself a blogger. I just felt like there were a lot of connotations with that that I didn't want to be associated with. But I think the blog was one of the best decisions I ever made with the business because it is essentially a resume, just like your podcast, just like a YouTube channel, whatever it might be. And so now there's close to a thousand published articles on the strength running site. And it's amazing because you can go back there. I mean, I do this for myself, which is kind of funny. Like I have a question about tapering or recovery or strength training. And before I go anywhere else, I'm like, let's just go to my own website and search and see what I've written about the topic previously, because I might just be forgetting that I've written, you know, a whole comprehensive article about this. So yeah, it started a little bit of a while back, but I have to say that since I started the podcast, it has quickly become one of my favorite things that I do on a regular basis. I love having conversations with runners about running and connecting with all kinds of people all over the world. The podcast is definitely the favorite thing that I do. Yeah, that's so cool. What is your favorite podcast episode or guest? to date? Oh, I don't even know if I can answer that question. I mean, it's sort of like, it's sort of like talking about your kids, you know, which one is your favorite? Yeah. I don't really have any favorites. Um, I will, I will say that I love talking to highly enthusiastic people who know a lot about the sport, 
and are just ready to help my audience with their wisdom, with their strategies. Um, so yeah, it's hard to choose. I mean, I've published more than 250 episodes at this point. Um, and you know, I've, I, I loved having my recent conversation with Kara Goucher. Uh, I thought she was really fantastic. Um, I've had wonderful conversations with, oh, there's just too many to list. I'm going to leave almost everyone out. So I really don't want to choose too many, but, uh, so I will say, broadly speaking, the topics that I probably enjoy the most are conversations about different aspects of physical therapy and strength training, because I feel like those are the things that will solve most runners' biggest problems, which are, you know, I, I can't run consistently or I'm getting hurt all the time. Okay, well, let's get a physical therapist on to talk about injury prevention. Let's get a strength coach on to talk about how we can be more strategic with our strength training. And then that's really going to help runners get more consistent. And, uh, you know, those conversations are also really interesting for me because, you know, if you actually really pay attention, I talk to a lot of people who surround runners, the sports psychologist, the physical therapist, the coach, the strength coach. And it's almost like, you're a pro runner surrounded by all these subject matter experts. And so my podcast is definitely what I would have wanted 15, 20 years ago. And that's what I'm trying to do for runners today. And the conversations I tend to really, you know, the, the ones that resonate with me the most are just those really helpful episodes that I wish I had, you know, 15 years ago about how to stay healthy, about how to get more out of yourself during a long run or a workout, things like that. Absolutely. I mean, there's always something new that we can learn from each of your episodes. And I have to agree. I loved the Kara Goucher episode and the mantra section of that episode and talking through her different mantras for different training cycles. It was really powerful. So for everyone listening today, if you haven't listened to it, definitely check that one out. It was from a few weeks ago. Um, all right, so we're going to get into a few questions from our listeners now, Jason. What is your favorite smartwatch to use and why? Ooh, I don't even know if I could give a good answer to this because it's not like I've tested a lot of smartwatches. I am currently wearing a Coros Multisport. And so the Coros Multisport is something I've had for a couple of years now, but I, I do really love it because I can use so many different features on the watch. You know, they have a feature for running, but there's also a treadmill feature. There's also a trail running feature. Uh, there's a hiking feature that I used earlier today on my hike. Uh, if I'm going cycling, I can put on this, the, the road cycling feature or mountain biking. So I do like the versatility of the Coros multi-sport watch. Uh, I did have a Garmin. I think it was like a Garmin 305 or 300. This was back in like 2013. We're talking nine years ago. So they probably don't even make that anymore. And then I went back to a Timex because I'm pretty, I'm pretty simplistic. I kind of like just, I'm just going to run for 30 minutes. I'm going to guess on my pace and, you know, I'll round up to the nearest mile and just be happy with that. That's what I did for most of my running career. And so I do like to go back to that sometimes just because of its simplicity and I'm not worrying about my pace all the time. So I'm very happy with the Coros multi-sport watch that I have right now. That's great. And isn't that interesting how sometimes if we take the watch off, we don't look at the metrics, we're just running based on feel, based on what we want to do that day. 
you talked at the running camp about all your running journals that you have. It kind of goes back to the pure joy and love of running without getting too detailed into the nitty gritty metrics. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you're constantly worried about all these, you know, it's like minutia, all these little metrics like, oh, my ground contact time and my vertical oscillation. And, you know, for the, the last 30 seconds, I was a little bit slower than I should be on this run. You know, you end up just worrying more about your running. How are you supposed to have fun? How are you supposed to, you know, find this sport fulfilling if you're constantly worrying about it and you're anxious about all these metrics? Now, I think there's value in both. There's a time and a place to worry about the metrics, and there's a time and a place to not worry about the metrics. And we've got to strike that balance between when to worry about the metrics and when just to ignore them. And and I think that's where we can really find a lot of happiness is in, you know, actually being real with ourselves, being like, I don't have to know what the metrics are right now. Maybe I'll worry about it when I'm doing a workout. But right now, I'm just going to have fun with my friends. I'm going to go for an easy run. Who cares if the pace is a little bit too slow? You know, who cares if one mile is a little bit too fast? You're probably going to be okay. Definitely. As long as the consistency is there, you'll be golden. And a little strength training. Yeah, there you go. All right. What is your favorite post-long run or race meal? Oh, wow. I think we have to differentiate between what I want to eat right afterwards and then what I want like two or three hours later. Because what I want right afterwards is probably a cold, crisp red apple. I, for some reason, I crave, you know, you get a red apple out of the refrigerator. It is sweet. It's crunchy and has that amazing, you know, mouthfeel to it where it's crunchy it's also full of water and it's cold. It's just like the greatest sensory experience when, you know, you just want some fluids and you want to cool down a little bit. I love having an apple, but then like two hours later, I want like the opposite. I want, you know, I want like a quesadilla with all the fixings on it. I want like a cheeseburger. I want something that has more protein and fat in it than just carby stuff. Because, you know, if you're doing a long run, you're probably loading up on carbs before and maybe during. And then I want something a little bit more substantial afterwards. So, you know, I'm someone who's, whose diet isn't perfect. You know, I love a good cheeseburger and fries. Uh, probably not going to apologize about it either. You know, I've, <laughs> I run enough and uh, I think life's too short to kind of hold yourself to an artificially clean diet when, you know, we, we can enjoy ourselves from time to time. Absolutely. It's all about balance, right? There you go. It's all about the balance. Yeah. I'm, I'm someone who, you know, I've always believed in moderation, including moderation. So you got to be moderate about everything, including moderation <laughs> sometimes. And, and that means that like, you know, I'll go really hard on training. And then when I take time off, it's like, I don't even think about running for like two weeks straight. So I can go really hard on things and switch my attention very easily. And so that, that has really allowed me, I think, to, to train really hard, to rest really hard, to be able to go out with my friends and have a lot of fun and not worry about things and, and to do everything in between. I love it. I love it. That is the secret sauce to balance. Um, what are your best recovery tips after a strength training session in the gym? If it's strength training, I think number one, we've got to get in enough calories, especially protein right afterwards to start that muscle repair, you know, not nearly as important, like after a workout where what is most, what runners really need to focus on then is 
uh, filling up their glycogen reserves instead of rebuilding the muscle tissue. So if you go for like, you know, if you do an ultra marathon or you race a marathon, I think we have to worry about both. Whereas if you're doing just a standard long run, we have to worry a little bit more about replenishing your glycogen stores. But if you're doing a really hard lifting session, especially in the gym, you know, you're doing some real weightlifting, you're lifting heavier weights, you're in there for 45 minutes, maybe an hour, then we have to focus a little bit more on uh, our protein. And that's going to help with muscle repair. So I love a good protein shake right after, right after a, a lifting session, you know, protein mixed with almond milk. Um, I love it because it's cold. It's somewhat sweet, but it's also giving my body what it needs. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty simple when it comes to, uh, to food. I pretty much like it all. I will eat it all at any point. You know, I love me a good salad, but you want to go out to a steakhouse. I'll enjoy that too. Love it. All right. This question comes in from our friend, Brad. What is your favorite full 5k marathon? Oh, Brad is just, I know Brad, Brad is a friend from Colorado. And I know that he's just trying to get under my skin because I've been posting (laughs) on Instagram about how there's no such thing as a full marathon. What is that? What is a full marathon? Is that, is that more than a marathon? Is it, is a marathon like not quite as full? And then maybe a full marathon is, is the entire distance that a marathon is? Who really knows? But we, what we do know is that a lot of people say full marathon. <laughs> I know. And it, it kind of has its place every once in a while. It can be more, more thoughtful in terms of its, its ability to communicate information to some people in some contexts, but it still is such an abomination of the English language that it drives me crazy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit heated just thinking about it. I mean, look, I'm someone who thinks words matter. And one of the, I remember actually going through the USA track and field coaching curriculum. And right at the beginning, they say, you know, one of the real goals of getting this USATF coaching certification is that when you talk about running with other coaches, you're all talking the same language. So if someone says tempo, or someone says long run, or someone says, you know, any of the words we use in the sport of running, you know what they mean. And we're all on the same page. Because if we are not speaking the same language, if we have different definitions for the same words, we are not going to be able to communicate effectively about the sport. And so on the surface level, getting a coaching certification is to make sure that you are not using the incorrect words to describe things. Because as a coach, one of your jobs is to communicate, to explain things to your athletes so that they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how to do it. And, you know, full marathon or 5K marathon, I mean, this is like, you know, my grandmother used to ask me, how long was the marathon you ran after each of my marathons? And I had to tell her that marathon is like a proper noun. It is the formal name of an event that is 26.2 miles long. So I know I can get off my soapbox a little bit right now when it comes to the naming of the marathon. Thanks for that question, Brad. So great. I think I saw your eye twitch a little bit too when you were giving that answer. So thanks. Thanks, Brad. (laughs) What is your favorite distance to race or to run? Oh man, I think to run just in training would be the 10 mile training staple. Cause that was just sort of like the average day for me for years and years and years and years. And so I got it just stuck in my head where if it, the run was less than 10 miles, it was an easy day. If it was more than 10 miles, it was a harder day. 
10 miles is just the average. I think my favorite distance to race has changed a little bit over the years. You know, when I was a track athlete, I really loved the mile or the 1500 and the 5k. Uh, but then I did get into the steeplechase a little bit. And that's that's a little bit more like a novelty event. I only raced it three times, but it was just so crazy and wild and different and required such a different physical skill set that that was really interesting to me. But uh, I would say that I love the strategic nature of the mile and the 5K. You know, you break it into four quarters on the track or you break a 5K up into, you know, th- three one mile segments and you just you just hang on for dear life those are great races where they're short and fast and you get your pacing down and you even just pushing the envelope a little bit you know you're riding that fine line between what is sustainable and what is not sustainable and i've always loved riding that line you know you push it a little bit too hard you're going to blow up and have a bad race you don't push it enough you know you're going to have too much at the end how do you strike the balance where you leave, you are fully exhausted at 5,000 meters on the dot? That is such an interesting question to me. I've always had fun thinking about that and, and trying to get good at those races, which is interesting too, because I actually don't think I ever really got good at those races. You know, I set my mile PR after college which is rare. Most people can't do that. Most people won't do that. Uh, and then I, I spent years and years and years taking seven seconds off of my 5k PR. So I don't think I made enough progress in that event. So those are sort of like the unicorn events that I never quite mastered, but I always loved. And, you know, I still, you know, I like, I didn't quite get under 16 minutes in the 5k and I never got under 4.30 in the mile, but I was sort of right on the, the line of doing so. So I feel like I have this unfinished business that I will never get to finish because I'm, I'm like too old now to actually get it done. <laughs> but those races will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, and then, you know, later on in my running career, uh, I really liked the 10 mile race distance. I thought it was long enough, but short enough. You know, the marathon is a little bit too long for me. I, I do really like it. I respect it a lot. It's just not something that I could do on the regular because every race really, it just really beat up my body. And I, I had to take some pretty substantial recovery after the marathon and dealt with some injuries. So I don't think my body is one that really, uh, uh, thrives off of the marathon. Whereas, you know, the half marathon, the 10 mile distance, I really like those as sort of the longer distances that I'll do. So I guess I'm a little bit more of a middle distance guy that, uh, that toyed with some distance events later on in my running career. Great answer. Um, I love the 10 mile, love the half marathon. They're both great, great distances. Um, do you have a favorite race that you've run in either of those distances? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't actually raced a ton of 10 mile or half marathon races. I think the only half marathons that I did uh, was the New Bedford half marathon in Massachusetts, and then the Cherry Blossom 10 miler in, let's see, that was in Washington, DC. I also ran a a 10 mile race twice in Massachusetts when I was still living in there. Uh, So yeah, I haven't done a lot of them. But with that said, um, I think some of my favorite, I think some of my favorite 
courses. I really enjoyed the Cherry Blossom 10 miler because that was a pretty flat and fast 10 mile race. And if I didn't bungle my warm up beforehand and a little bit of my early pacing, I think I could have run a good PR on that on that course. I was like two seconds off uh, when I ran the Cherry Blossom 10 miler. It's like, oh man, oh. two seconds over 10 miles. Such a bummer. Maybe you'll go back for it one more time. What do you think? I I don't think I could run a single mile at my 10 mile <laughs> race pace anymore. <laughs> never say never, Jason. You never know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to get into a few life questions now. So if you didn't have the strength running business, you didn't have your blog, the podcast, all your strength training and strength running programs, what would you do in life? What would you be and what would you pursue? Yeah, that's a great question. I would probably be pursuing what I was pursuing before strength running. Um, when I moved to DC in 2008, I did want to get involved in the environmental field doing something. So I first started working for a nonprofit doing carbon offset work. And then I moved to a government contractor working with the Department of Energy and the EPA on some of their biggest energy efficiency projects. So I got to work on the Energy Star for Appliance program. I got to work on the uh, Cash for Appliance program, which is like part of the Recovery Act uh, that was passed in 2009 when we had that recession. So I would probably be doing something in the environmental space. I'm really interested in solar energy and would probably you know, work for a solar company or a wind energy company. I'm not entirely sure because it's been like 12 years of me doing strength running. So I'm not, uh, I'm actually not 12 years, about, about 10 years, uh, 12 years since it's been in existence as it is today. But yeah, I'd probably be doing something like that because I think, uh, you know, it's obviously an urgent issue that we need to address. And there's some really interesting technology in the space too, with, you know, the growing efficiency and, uh, you know, like wind and solar is getting so efficient while at the same time getting dramatically cheaper. And I, I love working in a field where the tech is improving at that kind of an exponential rate because big things are going to happen. So I think it's really exciting. Uh, I think it's a, a really productive and beneficial field to be in right now. And that's where I'd probably be. That's so cool. I didn't know that side of you. So you were in the environmental space before starting strength running. Why did you transition over? Because I got to really do what I loved. Talking about <laughs> running, helping runners. Uh, I also am someone who really likes the independence of owning my own business and working for myself and, you know, deciding what projects I get to work on. You know, I did chafe a little bit at the, you know, a lot of the, the artificial constraints of working in an office, especially when I was a government contractor, because even though I was technically employed by a private company, I, we were all working under the government schedule. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why the government has to work more slowly, you know, in a, in a democracy like ours, but it is difficult to be in it and to actually be an administrator in that kind of a system. And so I realized that that wasn't for me. I much, I much enjoyed a faster pace. And I think when you work for yourself, you can move as fast as you want. You don't have to wait for rounds of approval. You can just get moving on things very quickly. And, you know, that reminds me more of my first job right out of college. I used to work for Wayfair, you know, the e-commerce company, you know, all things home or something like that. And uh, at the time, 
They were much smaller. They weren't a public company. And it was just this massive company that was growing so quickly. And it was very exciting to work there. So I wanted a little bit more of that. And I certainly get that with, uh, you know, working for myself. Absolutely. Um, Would you consider that the most pivotal moment in your life so far in your 39 years of life? Or would there be another, another event that you would consider? Sarah, I am 38 years old. Let's not age me unnecessarily. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were the same age, no? <laughs> same age, but I, got, I, think, I think you got like six months on me. <laughs> okay, 38. <laughs> 38. Um, I, I think it was one of my most pivotal moments because if I didn't decide to you know, buy that domain name, to do something with it, my whole life would be different. And, and I wouldn't have, you know, this, this whole new career that I have now. Um, yeah, if I look back, I think the biggest pivotal moments in my life were deciding to go out for the cross-country team as a freshman, deciding to, to go to Connecticut College after I graduated from high school, because then I was able to really have a very diverse sort of college experience where I could double major and be a three-season athlete and get involved in student government and then also just have a life and be able to have fun and enjoy the college experience too. So I think those three are probably the biggest pivotal moments in my life because they've set me up on my current track and I love where I'm at today. Yeah, that's so cool. And what I love about all of those moments, Jason, is that you said yes. You had an opportunity in front of you and you said yes, and you made something happen from it. And I think that is when really fun and beautiful things can happen in life when we just commit and go forward. Do something a little bit out of our wheelhouse, maybe something that scares us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I think getting out of your comfort zone, no matter if it's for a move, for a job, for a race, for a even a training program. You know, I've never done strength training before. Let me commit and actually follow through with this. There's so many different examples of it, but yeah, you don't really get anywhere unless you actually commit and good things happen when you do. Absolutely. What advice do you have for someone who is starting their own business? Oh boy. What kind of business? Are we talking about uh, an electric car company? Are we talking about a coaching business? <laughs> <laughs> Run coaching, electric car. Could it be about the same? Something just very general for any entrepreneur out there. Yeah. I think no matter what you're doing, you have to really want to do it. You know, I was never someone who's like, oh, let me start a running blog and, you know, be a running coach because I want to, you know, get rich. <laughs> that that wasn't really the goal. I, I just wanted to do what I loved and do it in a way that, you know, kind of fit my personality and was a sustainable option for me. And so if anyone is starting any kind of business, I think, you know, number one, make sure it's around something that you really love. If you're just chasing money or some sort of acknowledgement for what you're doing, it's not going to be sustainable. And, you know, like anything, it takes a long time to be successful. And there's certain levels of success, of course, but, you know, I didn't go full time with strength running for well over two years of working on it. And I worked on it religiously for those two plus years. So if you're not going to work on something for a very long time, for years and years with, you know, maybe no progress, maybe not a lot of revenue, you know, this strength running didn't 
make nearly enough to support me or my family for a very long time. And I was very fortunate to start it while I had a full-time job and kind of work on it on the side. Uh, and, and I think that's maybe my second piece of advice is, you know, all, you know, you hear all these stories about, I quit my job and I had no savings and I had to light that fire underneath me to get things started. That usually ends with you getting unemployment or having to get a real job. <laughs> so I think it's a really great idea to start whatever business you're thinking about when you already have you know, a full-time job. So you have a side gig, you have a little side hustle, you're growing it on the side and get excited about progress. And this piece of advice I think is perfect for runners as well as anybody thinking about starting a business, get excited about progress. When I first started strength running, I had a Excel spreadsheet where I tracked what is my weekly traffic you know, site visitors coming to the website and, you know, how many people are signing up for my email newsletter. And I just like to see growth. If I was seeing growth in those areas, I knew that I was on the right track. And that was just exciting for me to see. Just like when I started running, oh, wow, my mile time is getting better. All my race event times are getting a little bit better, you know, every couple of weeks. And, you know, I wasn't, hoping to reach some predetermined level, I was just excited about moving forward. And no matter what you're doing, if you're excited about moving forward, not necessarily the destination, then you're going to be successful. You know, I think I just heard a quote the other day. It was, you know, the person who likes walking will beat the person who instead is more interested in the destination. And that just goes to show, it's like, what are you interested in? Are you interested in the journey or are you interested in the destination? The person who's interested in the journey is going to be much more successful because there really is no destination. You know, when will I know I've arrived with strength running? I don't know. I have no idea. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. This is like sort of like a game that I've invented that I just want to keep playing forever. There's no winning. There's no end or conclusion to the game. I just want to keep playing the game and... If you don't actually like the game, you're never going to want to keep playing it forever. So make sure you like what you're doing. That is such great advice. And what I heard you say, there were three pillars there, consistency, hard work, and having fun, building a business with running, training, probably anything that we do in life to be successful. Yeah, that's a good point too, is, you know, there's always going to be carryover with running to almost any other endeavor in your life. And, and I do think running has taught me a certain level of, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, it's given me a certain psychological skill set where I was okay not making any money from this business I had just started for close to a year. And that didn't even bother me at all. It's sort of like, well, I wasn't a sub five minute miler for years when I first started running. And that was okay because I was getting there. I was moving forward. And that progress, that that forward momentum is quite addicting, I think. I agree. Sometimes we can take one step back only to take three steps forward, which is also addicting in its own way. Um, one more question for you before we get into our rapid fire questions. Um, we talked about mantras earlier with Kara Goucher. Do you have a life mantra, training mantras, any type of mantras that you want to share with our audience? I wouldn't say I really have life mantras, except, you know, I, I think anybody who really is listening 
is probably better understanding how I approach life. You know, I'm a consistent, patient sort of person when it comes to some of the big things. I would say with some of the small things, I, I don't have very much patience. You know, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I started my business is because I was working where I was working and I looked at my job and I was like, oh, I don't really like what I'm doing. And then I looked at my boss. Well, I don't really want to do what he's doing either. And then I looked at my boss's boss and I was like, oh man, if I work really hard for the next eight to 10 years, I can get my boss's boss's job and still be doing something I don't really want to do. So I did not have patience to climb the corporate ladder. And I was very impatient. I was like, okay, I need to do something else. I need to start moving. So, I mean, generally speaking in life, uh, my approach to running is very similar to my approach to life. Um, my mantras for running, I would say, are much more specific. And it does kind of depend on the race that I might be running at the time. You know, when I ran my PR in the marathon, the marathon is a very different event than most. My mantra for most of that race was relax. I wanted to make the first 20 miles feel like a long run. Even though I was running, you know, I was trying to run about six minute mile pace, which certainly wasn't my easy running pace, uh, but it was like just easy enough, you know, slower than my tempo pace, just easy enough where I could almost lie to myself during the race and try to convince myself this is easy, this is easy and get to that 20 mile mark. But for most other races, it's like the opposite. You know, there's that extreme sense of urgency as soon as the gun goes off. Uh, I am just so solely focused on getting to the finish line in as little time as possible. So, you know, I can actually be quite ruthless with myself in my head. You know, like you got to go. I'm swearing at myself, you know, telling myself to move, lying to myself like this doesn't hurt. This feels good. You need to go faster. Who cares if it hurts? You know, I, I have that kind of a pretty aggressive self-talk when I'm in a race and I really want to be doing well. Uh, but then, of course, when it comes to the longer stuff, I'm much more patient. Let's try to make it easy. You know, it shouldn't feel hard for most of the race. It should only feel hard, you know, in kind of the later stages of that race. So those are some of the mantras that I've used over the years. Um, and I've, I shared this one in a recent podcast episode, but uh, grimace was a mantra we used in high school in cross country because we stole a life-size cardboard cutout of Grimace from McDonald's and we had it as our unofficial mascot <laughs> in the in the locker room and it was just it was just so funny and so you know we were cracking up laughing every time we would have like a team you know a little huddle before the start of a race and we would chant Grimace but it had that great double meaning where we knew we were about to grimace because we were about to do something very hard it was an acknowledgement of the difficulty of the task at hand. And I think that was just uh, a brutally honest moment for a bunch of teenagers to have, you know, like, hey, we're about to do something hard. Let's laugh about it, but then still give it our all. And I think that was a really good sort of psychological way of framing things at that age that uh, I think I've always kept with me over time. Do you still use the word grimace in things going on in life right now when you're going into something tough or hard? No, I wouldn't say I use that mantra. That mantra is probably what <laughs> I'm going to be like thinking about if I'm on the track doing a hard workout or at the beginning of a race. Um, no, I've, I don't, I wouldn't say I have too many life mantras, except I think it's always beneficial to slow down a little bit. And, and I think just, you know, before you react to something, 
let's have that one second pause so that you can respond intelligently. And that is something I'm always trying to do. So maybe my mantra is, you know, take a breath and then respond in a more constructive way than just, you know, without thinking, reacting to something. Yeah, that's great advice. Slow your roll. (laughs) All right. We're going to get into rapid fire questions. We have about nine questions. Are you ready, Jason? Ready to go. Okay. Mountains or beach? Oh, God. Um, um, mountains. But beach is like, <laughs> like half a meter behind in this race, okay? Okay. <laughs> Road or trails? Trails, definitely. Garmin or Koros? I got to go Koros just because it's what I'm wearing right now, and I really love it. Absolutely. Element or noon? I'm going to go with element because the salt content is a lot higher and it has a very distinct flavor that I absolutely love. Noon is great because it has a little bit of effervescence to it when you put one of those little tablets in your water and that can be fun. But I always had problems with that because it would be kind of bubbling out of my water bottle or I'd be spilling it all over myself. So I got to stick with Element. Love it. Okay. Sidebar for noon. It's really fun to put it in a fancy glass, use it as a happy hour drink. If you're training, need a few extra electrolytes. Makes it fun. Okay. Getting back to rapid fire questions. Three or four inch running shorts? One inch. (laughs) Okay. Marathon or ultra? Marathon. I've only ever run one ultra marathon. I had to drop out. So I don't actually have a finish under my name for the ultra. One mile or 5K? Oh, these were like the two races I chose as my two favorites. This is going to be difficult. (laughs) I'll have to go to the mile. The mile was my favorite event in high school. And then I, I got into the 5K a little bit more as a college athlete. But there's something about the mile that is just so pure. Let's stick with the mile. Love it. Tacos or burritos? Burritos. They can be bigger and... I like not having the crunch. If I want the crunch, I'll go with nachos. Oh, I like that. Okay. Wash Park or City Park? City Park. It's bigger and there's more opportunity for trails. Mm, Yeah. Last question. Full marathon or the marathon? (laughs) You know my answer to this one. (laughs) The marathon. (laughs) Unless I'm talking to my grandmother, I'll I'll be a little bit more specific about what a marathon is. (laughs) I had to throw that one in again. Thank you so much for having me on today to ask you some questions for your audience to get to know you better. I got to know you better and I really appreciate you and your time. Yeah, this was really fun. A little bit different than what we normally do here on the podcast, but nevertheless, I hope it was fun for the hardcore listeners who maybe wanted to get to know me a little bit more. I was actually surprised a little bit sitting down with your campers at the retreat the other day. And they were like, I want to know more about you. You never talk about yourself on the podcast. And I guess I am a little bit hesitant to just because it's not really about me. It's about helping other runners. And sure, I can share some stories that might be helpful and things like that. But yeah, I guess I'm always a little bit hesitant to overshare about my personal life because it's not, you know, the, the Jason hour, it's <laughs> the strength running podcast hour. So I, I hope this was fun for people. Um, and of course, if you ever do have any questions for me, 
I'm pretty accessible. You can always email me at support at strengthrunning.com and we can go from there. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Have a great day. Everyone else have a great day. Great week. All right. Thanks, Sarah. See ya. Thanks for listening in, my friends. If you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate a review in Apple Music or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you love this podcast, please consider supporting our sponsors who help make it possible. Before you go, I do want to hook you up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinkelement.com slash strengthrunning. That's spelled drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You'll get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what you like best. Right now, I'm on a real watermelon kick. And if that doesn't sound tasty, citrus is my number two favorite flavor right now. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors, and it's surprisingly delicious. Seriously, everyone who I've given it to loves it, and it can be a helpful way to prevent dehydration this summer. If you sometimes feel overly tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness, especially after long runs or faster workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or deficiency. Boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat this summer, with Elemental Labs. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional baseball, hockey, and basketball teams are on regular subscriptions. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to get your free sample pack gift with a purchase and get your hydration optimized for the upcoming summer season. I'm also grateful for the support of Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. I personally struggle with eating healthy. What can I say? Pizza and fries are my kryptonite. So I'm finding their product AG1 really helpful, especially when I'm training hard. One scoop a day gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I don't eat perfectly, and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. And with all three of my kids in school, I know I've got to support my immune system because I'm no match for little kid germs. (laughs) But what I love about AG1 is that it actually changes. Over the last decade, they've made 53 improvements to the formula based on the latest research to make these nutrients more absorbable and more rigorous with third-party testing. Go to athleticgreens.com Jason to see the great offer they've put together for podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment or you can get a monthly subscription if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to athleticgreens.com Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show, friends. Support us by using our sponsor links, reviewing the podcast, or getting a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com coaching. And I'm always here to help. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site, or you can message me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is JasonFitz1. Until next time, 